This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Not to be nervous, but every safer represents 40 minutes. You're laughing. Okay. It's not fear that I'm always following Rabbi Mansour and a Rebetzin. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Okay, first of all, I want to thank um, everyone for coming tonight. I, I, I'm just sitting here and I, I was looking at the crowd. I, I think there's about 2,000, maybe 2,200 women here. And, I, and I'm looking at... Thank you, thank you. And I'm looking, I'm looking at the stage and I'm like, there, there's no band, there's no singers, there's nobody dancing, there's no food. <laughs> Why is everybody here? And everybody's here to, to, to grow and to learn and to listen to Shiurim. I, I think if you really think about it, 2,200 people coming out on a Wednesday night, to listen to Shiurim and there's no food is absolutely spectacular. So I want to thank everyone. It's a very, very big Kiddush Hashem. Tonight's a very um, important night for me and the Wallerstein family. For the first time, Avina Malkeno has come out on the fifth day of Slichus, which is called the Yud Gimel Midos. Most of the Wallerstein family was wiped out during the Holocaust. We never could know that my, my family were buried in mass graves, so we don't know exactly where they're buried, and we don't know exactly when they were murdered. My grandfather, Oliver Shalom, took on the, the fifth day of Slichos, which is the Yud Gimomidais, to hold as the yard site, for the whole Wallerstein family that perished in the Holocaust. And it's our minute, usually I'm an Eretz Yisrael by the fifth day, it's our minute to give a Kiddush by the Kaisel uh, the morning of the Yud So actually, not long from now, we're seeking, we'll be giving a Kiddush by the Kaisel in memory of my ancestors. So to me, it's very, very special and I appreciate that everyone came out tonight because it's a very big schuss for all those relatives that we lost in the Holocaust that we accepted as the Yud Gimel Midas as the Yod site. We're also learning tonight for Rufu Shalema, for Sarah Leah, Basmaya, Ilanit, a young, and this is really my subject matter tonight, a young one-year-old girl, smiling, happy, got fever, and they went to the doctor today, and the doctor didn't like what he saw. Took an MRI and found a brain tumor, and they're operating on her tomorrow morning. So, if everyone can please write the name, Sevalea Basmaya Lanet. And it's interesting that this came to my attention because it's really my subject matter tonight. Thank you, Hashem. Hashem I don't know why He chose me to uh, be the one who runs Ranava, but I can't thank Akash Baruch Hu enough for the honor. Of course, thank you to my mother, my mother-in-law, my father, all of the Shalom, who never called me dirt and always believed in my potential. My father-in-law, all of the Shalom, who always had a smile and a good word. Of course, my Eish Yishchayel, who puts up with me. My, my children, my grandchildren, and my whole family, my brothers, my sister-in-laws, Yanki, who's mamish my right hand, the Katlowitz family, the Washner family, and I, did, I, didn't, um, I didn't know Nava that well, but we know that when you give the name to a child, many times, there's many discussions before the bris or before the kiddush, what name you're going to give, and it's brought down a chazal. At the last moment, the name is sent from Shemayim, 
because the essence of that child is the name. And I really feel that the essence of Ornava and Ateris Nava and pretty much everything that I do, um, the essence is Nava. And I know that she's here for sure. And in a humanly way, you know, to say thank you to her neshama, there are, there are things that are definitely shaloik derech hateva in Ornava. Uh, the unity, uh, I, I, we've opened up satellites. They're not called Ornava. I just went to Cleveland. We opened one up in Cleveland, in Miami, in L.A. And the, the thing that they can't understand is how you can put so many different kinds of women in one room, different ages, different backgrounds, Fari, Ashkenazi, and that, that takes a lot of Siyat and Nishmaya. And there's no question, I think the Siyat Nishmaya comes because we don't choose. Everyone is invited and everyone is welcome in any one of our programs. Of course, my staff, without them, I could do nothing. Aviv, Daphne, Elisheva, Tehila, Rabbi Greenberg. I'd like really also to thank all the schools that are here tonight. Berhagola, Sheva, Emma, Merkaz, Shalsheles, Nefesh, Benot Rachel, Shari Torah, Gymnasia, Ateres Nava, Crown Heights Yeshiva, and, I don't know where you're sitting, the Note Chai Academy. And Burberia also. Baruch Hashem, I'd like to thank you all for being here. Whatever, I'd like to apologize to anyone if there's anything I say tonight. I, I said it to before I got up here, and my feeler was that I should say what you need to hear, not what I need to say. So... I apologize if anything I say tonight hurts anyone in any way. Of course, it's not meant to. The scariest, holiest prayer on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is Unisanatokhev. Unisanatokhev was written by Rav Amnon of Mainz, Germany, approximately a thousand years ago. Rav Amnon was very close to the Archbishop of Mainz. They were very close friends. And the Archbishop was always trying to get him to convert, to become a Christian. And he continuously said no, he continuously said no. And then one day, when the Archbishop had all his bishops and cardinals and priests together, he sort of cornered Rav Amnon and said, I have to have an answer from you. Christianity or not. Rav Amnon just wanted to get out of that room. So, he knew if he answered no, he'd probably be killed on the spot. Yes wasn't even a choice. So he said, give me three days. And in three days, I'll give you an answer. I just got to get out of here. And he was so happy, the cardinal, the bishop of Maine, he said, no problem, Rabbi, you have three days. Three days later, for those three days, when Amnon got home, he said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I cannot believe the Chilo Hashem that I did, that I didn't stand up for you, that I didn't say on the spot, there's no way in the world that I would convert, and if I need to be killed on the spot, kill me. He said, I don't even understand why I put it off for three days, and nobody could talk to Rav Amnon those three days. He fasted, he cried, he Hashem for forgiveness, not for converting, but just for putting off the answer for those three days. Three days later, the minister sent his soldiers to get him, and he said, I'm not going. They went back to the bishop and told the bishop, the rabbi's not coming. And the bishop said, he, I guess he doesn't realize it's three days. Go back and ask him again. They went back and asked him again. Again, he said no. This time, the bishop sent his soldiers. They put him in chains. And they brought him back in front of the whole church. And he said, it's three days. Give us an answer. He said, my answer is, you should cut out my tongue. The tongue that said... I need three days to make this decision. 
the tongue that didn't glorify my God, that didn't make a Kiddush Hashem, that tongue should be not used anymore in my mouth. I beg you, Bishop, cut out my tongue. And the Bishop laughed and said, no. The one thing in your body that we don't want to cut out is your tongue. Because your tongue is the tongue that said you need three days to make the decision. But your feet, your feet that didn't take you when I asked you to come, those were going to cut off. And it's brought down that they cut off toe by toe. And after each toe they asked him, do you want to convert? And he said no. And after they finished cutting off his ten toes, they cut, him off, they cut off his ankle. Do you want to convert? You still have most of your, your leg left. He said no. They cut off his knee. He said no. They cut him off at the thigh. He said no. And the bishop realized that this Jew will never convert. And he put him into a stretcher with all his limbs. And he said, go back to your miserable nation. And Rav Amnon, together with his limbs, were brought home. It was two days before Rosh Hashanah, he was dying. And he asked the Jews of the town to put him in front of the Arnach HaKadosh. And he said, I would like to make a Kiddush Hashem. And right before Kedusha on Rosh Hashanah, he wrote, Bunasana Tokev. And then he died. With the last word of Nisana Tokev, which we'll get to, Ma'avirin Esroya Hagazera, Rav Amnon went to the next world. Returned to his creator. He came back to Rav Meshulam and told him from Shemayim, it's decreed that this Tfilu in Asanatokev to Mashiach comes should be read and said on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So I would like to talk about Asanatokev for a moment. Let us relate the power of this day for it is amazing. And it goes through that that day on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur Every single person is judged. The Rosh Hashanah Yichaseivon and on Rosh Hashanah it is written, Ubi Yom Shem Kippur Yichaseivon, on Yom Kippur it is signed. Rav Shimshin Pinkis Oliver Shalom's Chusa Yogen Oleinu. We know, says, we know that Chazal says that most of us, most of the Jewish nation, are not judged on Rosh Hashanah. The Tzaddikim Gemurim the perfect tzaddikim are judged on Rosh Hashanah and they're written in the book of life. The Rishayim Gemurim, the wicked, wicked people are judged on Rosh Hashanah and written in the book of death. The Bainanim, which is most of us, Hashem gives us an extension. And we get an extension that serves to make tshuva that the Rebetzin spoke so beautifully and Rabbi Mansur spoke about they give us an extension till Yom Kippur. And on Yom Kippur we are judged. Shushan Pinkus all the Shalom says something very scary. He said, How many people passed away last year? How many people in this room know somebody that passed away last year? How many people sitting in this room know a child that was born last year? How many people in this room know somebody who lost money, who made money, who got divorced, who got married? He said, it all happened on Yom Kippur. He had gone to a Levaya where a rabbi got up, I think it was a Rosh Chodesh, maybe Kislev. And the rabbi got up and said, this man died on Rosh Chodesh Kislev, therefore we cannot give him a eulogy. And when this rabbi finished speaking, this big gadol was at this funeral in Eretz Yisrael, he went over to the rabbi and he said, this man did not die on Rosh Chodesh Kislev, this man died on Yom Kippur. This child was born on Yom Kippur. 
this husband and wife got divorced on Yom Kippur. This husband and Kawa got married on Yom Kippur. This person got sick on Yom Kippur. Because as it says in the Sanatoike, on Yom Kippur, everything that's going to happen in Tav, Shin, Ayin, this Yom Kippur, everything that's going to happen to every single person in this room, and to Claudius Yisrael in general, is going to happen on Yom Kippur. Because in the world above us, in Shemayim, there is no concept of time. Hoya, hoyve, veyiye, what was, what is, and what will be, is the same moment. So everyone in this room and everyone in cloud, you slow, this young Kippur, whatever is going to happen in your life. Oh, it happened to me, I got engaged. I got engaged in, um, in March 21st. No, you didn't. You got engaged on Yom Kippur. It was written in your book. I got married. July 21st. No, you didn't. You got married on Yom Kippur. That's how big Sunday night Yom Kippur and Monday that's coming up. That's how big that day is. Whatever is written on that day, that's what happened in a world of no time. The rest of the year is just playing it out in our world, in our time. Yechoseimun, it is sealed. To get it reopened and to appeal it for Shana Ram and Hanukkah is a very hard thing. So I sat on Rosh Hashanah and I cried all the situations that I know about and I've heard about I say I don't understand Hashem I don't understand it says in Unisana Taika Uchuva Saim fasting Utvila Kol governing Utsidaka and giving Tsidaka Ma'avirin as Raya Hagizera takes away the bad part of the Gzeber. So Kosh Baruch Hu, we had a Bina we had three of them. I had a great idea, Tshuva, two years ago, I got up here and I spoke to all of you. And I said, let's do a Tanis Dibor. Let's add on an extra fast on Yom Kippur. Let's not talk from the beginning of Yom Kippur to the end of Yom Kippur. And some women did it, some women can't, you have children, it's hard to do, what's the time is deeper, but a lot of people did it. They didn't speak from the beginning of Yom Kippur till the end of Yom Kippur. So, we took on an extra fast day. But since two years ago, things have gotten worse. But last year, we came up with this brilliant idea. A million pairs of shoes from the Holocaust. We're going to help the San Chelev. We're going to buy a million pairs of shoes for Jewish children. And I want you to know that last year when I finished speaking, just leaving this room with $20 a pair of shoes, $25 a pair of shoes, the San Chelev told me that we raised that night $40,000. 2,000 pair of shoes. Kashbarofu. 2,000 pair of shoes. Look, we made up for all these shoes. This year is going to be an amazing year, I thought last year. Things got worse. Things got a lot worse. So it's like, the tshuva we did, the tzedakah we did, what's with the tefillah? He said, Akush Baruch you gotta help us. So I sat down. On Yom Kippur, we're gonna say, Al-Khayt. 
We're going to say Ashamnu, Bogalnu, Gozalnu, Dibani Dofi. We're going to say Vidoy. And all the things that we did wrong this year. Some of us have that little English book. We look at it a little bit. How many of us actually sit and cry? And I said to myself, hold on a second. If Zechariah Wallerstein would have done everything he was supposed to do this year, he would have brought Mashiach. Nope. Zechariah Wallerstein can't bring Mashiach. The Gemara says, the Nashim Shekhaniyas are going to bring Mashiach. Now my fault, your fault. We started that and Hashem said, why did you eat from the tree? We said, her fault. The Gemara says, the Nashim Shekhaniyas are going to bring Mashiach. So I said, if any person would bring Mashiach, let me tell you what this young Kippur I'm going to say in my Zidoy. Again, I really apologize if this hurts anyone. I'm sorry. Ashamnu, I'm sorry that I have sinned and I haven't brought Mashiach. Because of me, there are so many terrible diseases and disorders in this world. Just to read a few. Acute stress disorder. Mashiach comes, there's no stress. Panic disorder. Mashiach comes, there's no panic. Social phobia, my fault. Obsessive compulsive disorder, my fault. Post-traumatic stress disorder, my fault. Asperger's, my fault. Autism, my fault. Down syndrome, my fault. Tourette's disorder, my fault. Anorexia, my fault. Bulimia, my fault. Bipolar, my fault. Dementia, my fault. And on and on, I have 70 things on my list. If I would be who I'm supposed to be, and Mashiach would be here, there'd be nothing on this list. Schizophrenia, alcohol dependence, amphetamine dependence, cocaine dependence, inhalant dependence, nicotine dependence, opioid dependence, sedative dependence, Drug addiction, gambling addiction, alcohol addiction, food addiction, immoral addictions, divorce, separation, shalom bias problems, financial collapse, Alzheimer, asthma, birth defects, breast cancer, bone cancer, brain cancer, cervical cancer, congestive heart failure, diabetes, infertility, leukemia, miscarriages, Parkinson's disease, Strokes. Hashamu, Bagamu, Gazamu, if I would have done what I was supposed to do this year, this list wouldn't exist. But I didn't do what I was supposed to. I didn't bring the Shiach. So the list is getting bigger. There are things on this list that I don't even know how to read. And this is a mental, physical list. And then we need to bend our heads and talk about the Neshama list. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 80% assimilation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shabbos, our children are smoking on Shabbos, they're texting on Shabbos, they're on the phone on Shabbos. If I would have brought Mashiach, they would not be happening. Tarfis, they don't even eat kosher anymore. Sneers, chutzpah, lack of kibbutz of the aim, lack of omach shemayim. Chil Hashem, immorality. We are kulam alakaislichos. And on all of these things, Hashem who forgives. Slachlan who forgive us all. Mchalan who forgive us all. Kapelan who forgive us all that we didn't bring Mashiach and destroy this list. Because it's everybody's fault together. So I'm going to Eretz Yisrael for Yom Kippur and I'm standing in front of that Kaisal. And I'm putting away my Achit. And I'm reading every single one of these things in front of the Kaisal.
And I'm apologizing to Hashem that I didn't do more. Because when Mashiach comes, this is all gone. And I begged Hashem on Rosh Hashanah, and Kodesh Baruch Hu, it's not fear. We are losing this war. No, no we're, not, we're not losing. We are getting slaughtered. This is not a fear fight. In what house is there no crime? Help me and give me an idea how to turn this around. All you need to do is ask. So let me tell you what came to me this Rosh Hashanah. I'd like to introduce you to a book which you all have to buy. I told the bookstores they better buy them before this speech. This book is called A Hundred Brachas a Day. I'd like to read to you something that I saw this Rosh Hashanah. The following. V'hinei b'chol yom anu mevarchim yosem imei abrachos. Every day we read more than a hundred brachos. And he says... The following, I don't want to read to you from inside. He says, not only, he says, not only is it a mitzvah on a man, but he says it's a mitzvah on a woman too. He says the following. Every person needs every day to say a hundred brachas. The Gemara says that there was a time like this that we're in right now. There was a time in David Amelech's Malchus that a hundred Jews died every single day from a plague. They fasted, they davened, they did all kinds of things, and they could not stop the plague. David Amelech came up and said, if we say a hundred brothers a day, the plague will stop. It comes from a Pesach in Devarim, the Atta Yisrael, and now Yisrael, what does Hashem ask from you? If you, ch- if you change the word ma to meya, the Pasuk reads, And now Jewish nation in the year Tav Shinayim, meya Hashem Elokecha Shoyal Mimcha. When we're in a plague, in a physical and spiritual plague, Hashem wants the hundred. And he says, if you say the word Maya instead of Ma in that part of the volume, there are a hundred letters. Not only are there a hundred letters, but in that Pasuk, there are 26 words in the gematria of Hashem's name of Rachman. I asked Hashem for an answer how to stop what's going on, how to stop adding things to that list. And I got my answer. I want a hundred brachos from every person every day. What about women? I wasn't going to get up there until I found out what about women. There's no feel for a woman or a child to make a hundred brachos in but. It's an important mitzvah if they decide to be mocked on this, to do it. And their reward, that I'm going to bring you, is guaranteed to the woman who makes a hundred brachos every day. Listen to the reward. Only Hashem wants a hundred brachos. A person who says a hundred brachos a day with kavano. Matzeles will be saved, guaranteed to be saved. They will not die, they will not get the flu. No magefas. 
they're guaranteed they will receive none of the taikachan, none of the curses that are mentioned in the Torah. They will not get any of the curses that are not even mentioned in the Torah. And a person who makes a hundred brachos a day, that person is considered like they bring a korban to Hashem. Hashem will send that person a blessing in their making a living in their panasa. The Yamale Yamav Ushnaisov, he will live out his full life. The Atsilenu Afnin Kamav, he will be saved from all his enemies. Umuftah, and I guarantee them. Shehuben Odach Elam Hamo. I asked Hashem to give me the answer. And Akash Baruchu gave me the answer. And maybe the Dibber not talking on Yom Kippur and the shoes were two thirds of the answer and we just have to fill in the last third and the last third is Tzilo the last third is to make Meya Brachos a hundred Brachos a day there's a book that you can buy that breaks down all the Brachos there's actually 108 Brachos a day explains the Brachos not an expensive book, it's written in English. The Sparrow say that you're muftah to live, not only to live, but to live in a very good way. You're muftah to have Olam Haba. And I thought to myself that maybe this year we need to take all three. We need to take on ourselves a Tanis Dibba. Let me tell you an amazing story that I heard a few years ago. So there's a, someone I know in Eretz Israel, and we call him the Chicken Man. He collects chicken for very poor people. He told me this story. He said that he used to go to this person in Eretz Yisrael always, and this man was pretty wealthy, and he used to give him $5,000, which is a thousand chickens. One year he comes to this man, he knocks on the door, and the man says, I'm really very sorry. I lost my whole parnasa. I, I don't have any money. I'm going to give you $5 a chicken. I'm going to give you $25, give five chickens. His wife's in the kitchen. She starts screaming, Yankel, what are you talking about? You have to give him what we give every year. She says, Rachel, what are you talking about? We lost all our money. I don't, I don't have $5,000. I don't care. Borrow it. Borrow it. Borrow money to get seductive. You, know, you don't have to borrow money to get seductive. We don't have to give right now. We have no money. She says, Yankel, listen to me. I have a feeling we need to get, we don't change anything. Get the money and give him his $5,000. Give him his 1,000 chickens. He says, are you sure? She goes, just trust me. You have to do this. He says, okay. I'm going to give you a check. Give me two days. I'm going to go borrow money. I'm going to cover it. And buy the chickens. Okay. So he's, he's like a sugar. He went all, borrowed all this money to buy chickens. But if that's what his wife wanted, that's what his wife wanted. So he did it. Matzei Yom Kippur. He calls the chick, this guy calls the chicken man up. You got, you got to, I must talk to you. Okay? So he comes to talk to him. He says the following thing happened Yom Kippur night. So I went to sleep Yom Kippur night. And I had this dream. And I'm in Unasana Taikef. I'm in Shemayim. It's my big judgment. And first the good angel comes in. And the good angel is saying all about all the special things that I did. And all the mitzvahs that I did. And... Baruch Hashem, I'm very quiet in shul, and I don't talk Lashon Hara, so when my good angel talks, there's no disturbances. And the Bezer Shamayla can hear all the good things that I did. He says, and then, the Yitzhahara walked in, he said, I, I saw this like, it wasn't clear, but he looked like pretty mean. And he walks in and he says, my name in Hebrew, he says, I'm now going to say witness on everything he did wrong this year. And he starts to say, on the first week after Yom Kippur last year, and all of a sudden, through the window, there's a window in this room, flies in a hundred chickens, two hundred chickens, five hundred chickens, a thousand chickens. He says, I promise you, this was going on in my dream. And the shotgun is trying to talk, 
And these chickens, they're jumping on him, they're cockadoodling, they're making crazy noises, and he keeps trying to say, and Bez and Shamila can't hear one word. They're flapping their wings, they're jumping around, can't hear one word. He said, you know what Mustafan said? Get the chickens and this guy out of my room. I got a bunch more souls to judge. This one, you can do what you want with. You can judge them for good. Just get the chickens out of my room. This is what he told the chicken man. The chicken man said, you, 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 I have to tell you the story. He says, I'm going to bring the guy to you. He said, it's crazy. So you can say it was subconscious, it was this. But my son, that was his dream. That was his dream. So that's what goes on in Shemayim. So a person has to be very careful not to talk in Shemayim, not to talk in Shul. Because if that's how it works on that side, on the other side, when they want to say good about you, if you're gabbing and talking the whole time in shul, and you're gabbing and talking Russian her, then guess what's going to happen when your good malach wants to talk? There's going to be a lot of noise. A lot of talking. There's talking that you did in shul in the Russian Hara. There's going to be a lot of gabbing in that room, and you're not going to hear the good things that you have to say. So it's very, very important. And we're very careful what we do as far as how we talk and what we say. Anyway, this was his picture in Shemayim. So, I thought to myself, okay, we got shoes. Last year, Baruch Hashem, 2,000 pairs of shoes. This year, I hope more. He's going to be outside, help them, because the shoes are very, very, very big. And we'll get a lot of shoes in the room when Kleinsville gets judged, and we'll make sure all these little shoes make a lot of noise. We got the shoes. If we can fast, and we can do a time of Zdibor, we'll be guaranteed that our good malachim will get, will be able to say what they have to say. A time of Zdibor is Michaelus and all the talking that we shouldn't have done during the whole year. Now we're going to do the Mea Brachos. It's hard to make Mea Brachos and concentrate, but we need to try to start. Why is Mea Brachos, a hundred Brachos a day, so big? If you make a hundred brachas a day with Kavana, that means that you spoke to Hashem that day when you put your head on the pillow that night. I spoke to Hashem today, minimum, a hundred times. You don't have to go to Verizon, you don't have to get minutes. Kleiso to Hashem, Hashem to Kleiso, free. Free. A hundred times that day, you spoke to God. And what did you say to God? Blessed are you, Hashem. Blessed are you, Hashem. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? A hundred times a day from every Jew, bless you, Hashem. The fruit on the ground, bless you, Hashem. bless you, Hashem. The bread I eat. Then when you come, Yom Kippur, with this list, of a hundred things you need to get rid of. Each one Hashem is going to wipe out. Because I talk to Hashem a hundred times a day. Yom Kippur is the one day that is a problem with a hundred brachas. Very hard to make a hundred brachas on Yom Kippur. He figures out with domains, without domains, it's very, very complicated. You know why? Because on Yom Kippur, it's about us. So on Yom Kippur, we can say to Hashem, I need to call you a hundred times this Yom Kippur. I got a hundred things that I want you to take away from this world. I got a whole list of stuff I wrote up. Because I talk to you every day a hundred times. So, should I call you on your Kippur? Of course I'm going to call you on your Kippur. But on your Kippur, it's going to be a little bit of a different call. The, the, the way it's explained is like if someone calls his parents every day. Hi dad, hi mom, how you doing? What's going on? I love you, I miss you. Tell me a little bit about your life, right? And then you do something wrong. Right? So since you call your parents all the time, you can tell them what you did wrong and they're going to deal with it. But if you never call them, and the only time you call them is when you cracked up their car, you're in big trouble. So a whole year, when you're saying you're the hundred brothers every day, you're calling Hashem every single day, a hundred times, maybe it'll be a little bit of a makhila of what we do on our cell phones. When they ask you in Shemayim, why are you on your cell phone a whole day? Maybe they'll be like, well, you also a hundred times. <laughs> you can't text Hashem. But I call you a hundred times, so, you know, what can I do? No, Shem, I don't recharge you next to my bed. 
I don't always change the plans. I don't look at you as much as I look at my phone. I don't listen to you as much as I listen to my phone. I don't talk to you as much as I talk to my phone. And then I don't even see you when, you know, sometimes we see Hashem and Shul, but we don't have vibrate, you know. By us, on our phones, we have vibrate, silent, sound, you know. By Kajbrok, we have sound. Vibrate, quiet. It's very hard for us to find a Kajbrok. Kajbrok, I told you on Tishabro, Hashem doesn't even want to be God. He wants to be yourself. I'd be very happy if we treat Him the way we treat ourselves. He'd be very, very happy. So, this Yom Kippur, I'm begging everybody. I know it's very hard. But I read a list of 60 things, so 60 out of 600. So we need to break this Raya HaGizera. We need to accept ourselves this Yom Kippur if we can. To do a Tanis Giver if we can, as much as we can. To take on ourselves next year, Mitzvah Hashem. In the beginning, it won't be all 100 brachas with Kavana. It'll be maybe five with Kavana, but I'm going to make all 100 brachas. And by the end, I'll have 100 brachas with Kavana. And also to, to give tzedakah to whoever you want to give tzedakah. You don't have to give it to shoes. It's a very big thing. I've been there. I've seen it. It's, we have to make up for this. There's nothing to talk about. The Nazis, Yemachshimam, Vizichram, they collected shoes. If you've seen ever the face, I don't know if you have a picture of these little kids when they get the shoes. It's, it's, it's such a simcha. And my father was sick. So they did a biopsy. And the doctor did the biopsy with a religious man, Dr. Israel Munsey. And he came to me and he said that they're not going to have an answer for 24 hours. If Chatzashon is malignant, for, for Hashem to change it then to benign, it's going to be very hard because that's a nice nigla. But I heard if you, go, if you would support a wedding in Eretz Yisrael of a, of a, of a widow, and you'd pay for the whole wedding, it's possible Hashem will make a miracle that it will be benign, but you will never know that it was malignant. I said, Rabbi Dr. Israel, where did you get this? Is this Kabbalah? Where did you? Why that? Why not something else? And he said that in Eilah Hatzvarim, that you say in the morning, She'elahem Shir, it says, Hachnosos Kala Ulevoyas Hamez. It says first Hachnosos Kala, and then Ulevoyas Hamez. And he says it has a Kedusha of Yerdu Hachnosos Kala, that it would save the person from passing away. I didn't, I didn't hop why. And now when I heard the whole chicken story, and I understand what goes on in Shemayim, so what happens if you make a wedding for somebody? So all the singing and all the music and all the dancing belongs to you. So when they bring that din into Shemayim, and the something gets up and says, you know what this person deserves, you know what this person did, all of a sudden it's, for the first time, the chashan and kawan, they can't hear a word he has to say. We need to make a lot, a lot of noise. A lot of noise, everybody. This Yom Kippur. We need to work harder than we ever did. It has never, ever been like this. So I'm not just coming to you tonight with his oils to wake you up. I'm coming to you with I believe is a cure. The mayor brachos a day is a guarantee that cholesterol will not suffer. So if each one of us takes that on, I believe that in Mitzvah Hashem next year, the list that I had will be burnt with it. Chometz on Pesach. I want to end with a story. I have to end with a story. An amazing story in Amunah. In and I think that one of the greatest tests of our time of what we're going through is Amunah. It's a very, very beautiful story. Story about a very plain man. As Rabbi Mansour said, every single one of us has our job. And plain people and great people and everybody has to do what they can. It was this plain man, very, very poor man. Lived in a hut at the end of a city. The king decided one day that he's going to leave his kingdom. He's going to get dressed up as a very poor person in rags. And he's going to visit and see what's going on in his kingdom. So, he went from house to house. He listened outside the window. This guy was complaining about taxes. This guy was complaining about the roads. This guy was complaining about the hospitals. Every single house he went to listen to, they were fetching. The king said, I'm the only happy person in my kingdom. Everybody's miserable. And he goes through the whole town, and he comes to the end of the town. And at the end of the town, 
of this little house, Ramesh, broken house. He looks in the window. There's this simple guy sitting at the table, playing a fiddle. He's got a glass of wine, some bread and some meat. He's dancing, he's playing his fiddle. He looks like the happiest guy in the world. So the king says, let's see what this guy's all about. Knocks on the door. This man opens the door. Doesn't know it's the king. He's dressed up as a poor person. Come inside. I'll play some music for you. Enjoy my meat. Enjoy my wine. Enjoy my bread. We'll eat together. He's like, wow, this guy's amazing. So he sits down and he eats with him. He says, by the way, what do you do for a living? What do I do for a living? He says, I'm a poor guy. I go and people have broken things in their houses. I repair them. He says, okay. He says, what do you think of the king? The king? Listen, I'm a poor guy. I never got to the palace. The king? Wow! A king? Okay. Let's see if this guy really thinks so much of the king when I take away the things that he has. Next day, the king goes back to his palace, gets dressed up as the king, sends out an edict. No one is allowed to hire a repairman in my country. This guy goes out the next day with his tools, knocks on the door, can I repair something? Oh no. Can I repair something? Oh no. What's going on? You didn't hear? The king said, anyone who pays a repairman to repair will be killed. Walks out, he goes, that's my panasa. The king? The king's the king. That's what he said? There must be something, there must be a reason. Okay. He's on his way home. He sees a rich man chopping wood. He says, why are you chopping wood? The rich man says, I don't have anyone. I'll chop your wood. How much will you pay me? Five golden. Five golden? Five golden is what I always get paid for repairing things. Oh, God is good. So, he gets his five golden, the king gets dressed up again, comes to the guy's house, he figures he's going to see him miserable, because he has no money, sitting there, cursing him, he comes to the window, he looks inside, he's sitting there with his fiddle, with his wine, and his bread, he knocks on the door, come on in, I'm going to pray for you, let's hang out together, he's like, where did you get the money to buy this? I heard the king said, no repairs, he goes, you're not going to believe it, but things are good, I... I had no business. I was walking down the street. I met a guy chopping wood. I got my five golden. King says, amazing. But what do you think of the king? That he took away your business. The king? Wow. When you mention his name, I shit. The king? You can do whatever he wants. Okay. Fine. He's like, I'm going to push this guy. Next day, same deal. No one's allowed to hire someone who chops wood. Okay. Fine. He comes to chop wood. The rich man says, no, can't hire you. Why? The king says, again? I don't understand. Okay, fine. Now, what is he going to do? He can't chop wood. He can't repair. He's walking home. He goes past the stable. He sees they're cleaning out the stable. He says, how much do you pay people to clean out a stable? Five golden. I'll do it for you. No problem. They hire him. Same deal. Sits down. He's got his bread. King gets dressed. Comes the next night. Thinks he's going to be broken. Walks, knocks in. He's smiling. He says, well, what do you think of this king? He took away this job. He took away this job. He says, the king? Same reaction. I'm not going to do it to you again. <laughs> king says, you still love the king? Absolutely. I am going to get this guy to break. Okay, next day puts out a thing. You're not going to hire anyone that cleans a barn. Now he's really stuck. There's no jobs. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to join the army. The army, you work a day, they pay you at night. I'll join the army. He joins the king's army. What do they pay? Yeah. What do they pay? Five golden. Thank you very much. People complain, I never get the crowd involved. All right. <laughs> so, he gets his five golden. Again, the king, the king can't believe it. The guy's sitting there playing fiddle again. Now, what are you doing? He says, I joined the army. He says, come on, let, let's talk for a minute. Don't you think the king has it in for you? I mean... He took away your first job repair. Then he took away your job in the wood. Then he took away cleaning the stable. Like, don't you have any animosity towards the king? The king? Okay. The king? All right. Fine. King says, 
you got to be able to break this man. I'm going to go to my army and tell my army that they can't pay per day and they should put off the payment of the soldiers. Now comes the point of the story. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> so, he works the whole day for the army. He comes to the lieutenant. I'm here for my five golden. And the lieutenant says, sorry. He's like, the king, right? He says, you can't pay? Yep. He says, okay, no problem. He's on his way home. He has no money. He's thinking to himself, what am I going to do? He takes out his sword. And his sword has a beautiful piece of steel. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to break off the handle and the steel. I'm going to sell the steel to the smith. And I am, I'm very good with my hands. I'm going to make a wooden piece that looks exactly like the steel. Connect it to the handle. Put it in the sheath. And then, no one's going to know. And I'm going to be fine. He breaks it off. Goes to the smith. Says, how much is this worth? Excellent. Five golden. Now the king knows this guy has no money whatsoever. And the king comes again. He's singing, he's dancing, he invites him in. He says, where'd you get the money to buy this? He's like, listen, king. You can't tell anyone. Not king. He says, listen. Listen to me. You can't tell anybody. Nobody. I took my weapon that I, the king gives to the soldiers and I broke off the metal and I sold it. If the king ever finds out I did this, he will have my head. So just keep it off secret. <laughs> but you're not going to believe what I did. I'm smart. I made a wooden sword. Want to see it? Look. Doesn't it look like the real thing? I'm going to keep it in the holster. The sheet. No, no one's going to know. The kings, now I got him. Now we're going to see. He says, by the way, you still like this king? You know that he took away your soldier job? He says, whatever the king is going to do, I believe, whatever he does, he does it for the good, even though it's affecting directly me, it must be for the good, I accept it. But whatever you do, don't tell anybody what I did. So the king calls together all the people in his palace. He says, now I'm going to finish this guy. Now we're going to see how he looks at the king. And he sends a message. Everyone sitting there in a room like this. There's a huge stage. And he sends a message for this peasant to come to the castle. The peasant was never in the castle. He walks into the, to the room. There are thousands of people sitting there. In the middle of the room is a man with his hot hands tied behind his back with his neck on a piece of wood. And the king says, Soldier! We found this man guilty. We have decided to ask you to behead him. And he's thinking to himself, Oh my goodness. If I'm going to pull out my sword, the king is going to see that it's made out of wood. I can't behead him with this. And he's thinking and he's thinking. And two thoughts came to his mind. One, I'm going to tell this king, you were going to get angry at me that I broke off the metal on my sword. You took away my job as a repairman. You took my job as a woodchopper. You took my job as a stable person. You took my job as a soldier. You took everything away from me. So you know what I did? Because I was going to starve, I took the metal of the sword and I broke it. So I know I can't chop his head off. That was one thought that came to his mind. I'm going to make a stand right here. It's enough. But then on the other side he said, but he's the king. He's the one I love. He's the one, when you talk about the king, it's the king. I can't get up in front of everybody and embarrass him and tell everybody what he took away from me and what I didn't return. I have to do something that's going to honor the king. So he thinks for a moment. Such a brilliant story. And he turns to the king and they're all waiting. And the king is waiting to see what he's going to do. 
And he says the following. I have never killed a man in my life. This man has been found guilty by three judges. I know that the king who's sitting here is the greatest person in the world. And everything he does is perfect. And therefore, I call to God that if this man whose head is about to be lost is not guilty and the judges are wrong, that being that this is the most perfect king in the world, God forbid an injustice should happen. So only for him I beg God that if the man who's laying here is innocent, May my sword turn into wood. (laughs) And he pulls out his sword. And it's wood. And everybody in the room takes a deep breath and bows to the king. I warned the king, there's never been a king that was such a miracle that for him to be justice. God turned a steel sword into wood. And never before did the people of that land revere a king the way they revered this king. And Rabbi Nachman Breslov, whose story this belongs to, says the following. That is what Kiddush Hashem is all about. So many times in our life, things are taken away from us. And everybody else in the world is supposed to fetch. When the king listens in the houses of the non-Jews and the Goyim, they're all fetching. This is not good. The weather is not good. I'm not happy with the president. I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy with this. But the Jewish person... When they lose something, they're supposed to say, The king? Hashem decreed that this should happen to me in my life? The king? Of course I accept it. And then Chatzashom, a year later, they lose something else, or their business goes wrong, or something else goes wrong. And the king says, So now what do you think of me? The king? What are you talking about? And then after all these things happen and we have this reverence for Akadosh Baruch when we finally can't handle it anymore because we have a paper list this long of things that we feel have been taken away from us, we have two choices. There are only two choices before we pull that sword out. One is to complain. How many times I hear from children or off the derech well, Hashem did this and Hashem did that. So it's too bad if I broke the sword in half. He deserves it. He took this away and that away. That's one way. And the other way, the way that this peasant chose because he understood who the king was, was to take the wooden sword, was take the thing that was missing, and turn it into the biggest Kiddush Hashem. We are being watched on our reaction to the struggles of Klai Yisrael. And when we pull out that sword and we make that Kiddush Hashem, the end of the story, when the king heard after taking all this away from him, after taking the base Hamigdash, and it's Yisrael, Agudayim, young children, so much a Holocaust, the Spanish Inquisition, Crusades. The Goyim are like, you're the chosen nation? I'm glad I'm not chosen. Who wants to be part of this? After losing all these things, when Christwell turns and says, the king cannot do anything wrong. The king is the pure justice that the rest of the world will get down on their knees and say there is no king 
like Hashem Echad Echad. There is no king like Avinu Malkeinu. I want to give everyone a bracha. So somebody asked me before I spoke tonight, so you're going to be funny or sad? I'm like, I'm going to be real. Sometimes real is funny and sometimes real is sad. But you never, the Wall Street, you know, you get up and it's Ornava event and you never talk about Ornava. You know, you give your speech and you don't talk about Ornava. Why don't you talk about Ornava? So I'd like to close. I'd like to talk about Ornava for two minutes. I want to explain to everyone here what Ornava is. And I'm not talking butterflies. It was a, an eagle that had a little baby eagle. It was being chased by a bunch of hunters. And it knew that it was going to be shot. So it was flying over a farm and it dropped the baby eagle into the farm. And this little teeny baby landed in a chicken coop. And then that poor eagle was shot and killed and couldn't come back for its little baby. This little baby eagle grew up in a chicken coop, hopping around like a little chicken. Very happy. I'm a chicken. Everybody's a chicken here. I'm a chicken. One day, there was an eagle flying over the farm and it sees the weirdest thing. It sees an eagle with a 10-foot wingspan jumping around with a bunch of little chickens. So I, this is very peculiar. Let me go find out what's going on. And the eagle comes down and says to this, was it was a baby eagle? Now it wasn't anymore. It says, what are you doing on a chicken coop? What do you mean? I'm a chicken. What do you mean you're a chicken? You're not a chicken. You're an eagle. What are you talking about? All my life, this is where I grew up. This is where I am. I'm not an eagle. I'm a chicken. And I like hopping around all day. So this eagle knew that it's not going to happen. He's not going to talk this eagle into being an eagle in a chicken coop. So we grabbed the eagle, flew it to the sky, and let go. And of course, the eagle naturally started to flap its wings and started to soar in the sky. And the eagle screamed, the one that saved him screamed, Chickens don't fly! Eagles fly. This idea of Ornava, we were dropped. Chrysler was dropped. We came from a Holocaust. We were on the run. We were dropped into the United States of America. Very fair country. But we were dropped into the most miserable gullus. What we are in, what we are following, like Rabbi Mansour said, the music that our children are listening to, the materialism that we're trying to copy, the dress code that we're following, the way that people speak that we're following. We're a bunch of eagles, right? Nisharim, we're a bunch of eagles. There's an eagle on the Kiseh HaKovet of Hashem. We're a bunch of eagles, and we're living with the chickens, and we walk around, we hop around like a bunch of chickens. And we realize that to go into the chicken coop and tell the chickens that your eagles are like, yeah, yeah, okay. So we created a place to take us out of the chicken coop and for us to learn that we have wings. Yom Kippur is the one day a year that a person is removed from the chicken coop. There's no satan. You're in shul all day. You can't eat, you can't drink, you're diving all day. Yom Kippur is the time to find out you're not a chicken. Yom Kippur is the, find, the time to find out that you don't hop around, but that you can fly. It's the most important day of the year. Mashiach, Bezrat Hashem, in this chus of the hundred brachos, in this chus of us doing some type of time giver, being very careful Yom Kippur not to speak. And it's chutz of the tzedakah, and it's of all the shoes. We made $40,000 last year. We did 2,000 shoes. 
This year, Mitzvah Hashem, we're going to do 4,000. There was one girl, I don't want to say her name, who walked out of last week, year's shear, a young woman, and wrote a check for $3,500. I want to know what she had in her dream on Kippur night. With like a bunch of shoes making noise, I want to know what happened. But in this chus of tshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah, Mitzvah Hashem, Mashiach is going to come in but really he's going to come on Yom Kippur because whatever happens during the year happens in Yom Kippur I want to thank you everybody for coming you should have a democracy in the Taiva and always know that the king loves you and I also want to thank before we leave Torah anytime because many of you are here because of Torah anytime. It should be a shana of Ashiris, a shana where we burn all our lists, a shana of togetherness, a shana where we go back to Eretz Yisrael. And next year, this year should be in the Ezra's Mashin of the Beis HaMegash. The Sanchei is outside. Let's buy a lot of shoes. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.